the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome to another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. My name is Mike Trinetti. It is Monday, October 2nd. The baseball regular season is now officially in the books. Cousin Dan is here to discuss the six division winners, not just headed into the postseason, but how they got here, what their payrolls looked like, and what we think about their ability to, to consistently keep this thing afloat. What's their offseason look like? What's their contention window look like? Are they for real? Or are they going to be one and done over the next couple of weeks here? Six division winners in Major League Baseball. We're going to tack on some thoughts on who's going to win the awards in Major League Baseball now that the season's over. And uh, obviously some notes on Otani and some teams that didn't make the postseason, including the top three payrolls in all of baseball. That's next. All right, Dan, the uh, baseball regular season is over. It's always a dark time in my life because I, uh, I'm, w- I'm one of the one percenters that actually enjoy the grind of uh, 162 games and something regular to have on at 7 p.m. Eastern every night. But that's not going to be the case for me and my Mets anymore or you and your Guardians anymore. There are six teams that win the division. A few of them handedly. One of them came down to the wire last night to our betting detriment. I'm going to start with a pretty simple question. Which one of these six teams surprises you the most? Um, I'm, well, reflecting Pretty chalky, back, right? Outside of yeah. Baltimore, pretty chalky, right? Yeah, very much so. And I was going to say, going back to my preseason predictions, if you will, um, I, I would have to say the Orioles are the most surprising. Um, I, I, mm-hmm. I was, they were one of my teams to take a step forward. I think both of us, um, we're kind of in on the the Diamondbacks, the Orioles, um, and sort of the Cubs were as like sneaky, surprising teams this year. I think all of them sort of got there, but the Orioles are the really the ones that surprised and took a major step forward, um, kind of beyond what we thought they could. So, um, yeah, yeah, they're they'd be my favorite for most uh, most surprising. <clears throat> okay, um, you yeah, know, we're gonna talk about these six teams kind of in length here in terms of where they got here. Uh, any kind of chances they may have in the next couple of months and then future, you know, what kind of contention windows that do these teams live in? What do their rosters look like? We've done a ton of work already on 2024 rosters as we'll talk about in, in the coming days. But, um, you know, I don't think any of these teams just kind of quickly looking are one and done. Do you, <laughs> I mean, it sure seems like a few of these teams might even get better this winter after a couple of major signings. Um, Baltimore, the Baltimore's and the Minnesotas of the world, and to some degree, Atlanta and Houston are just young and, and energetic and, and probably here to stay. You know, I, I believe you, you got Atlanta on plus odds to win this division back in May in March or April. Is that correct, Dan? Yeah. Yep. I think. Like yeah. How foolish does that look now from a yeah. betting standpoint in terms of what the odds were? I mean, they, they ran away with this thing by June. It was over. So, um, most of these teams are going to be in the conversation really for at least one more year. I'd say probably two to three years for most of these franchises. Again, that's the Baltimore Orioles, the Minnesota Twins, the Houston Astros, barely the Atlanta Braves, the Milwaukee Brewers, and the LA Dodgers, who, man, for all their roller coasters, their turmoil, right? The up and downs, the injuries, right back where they thought they'd be, right? <laughs> Winning the division kind of handedly, too, not even close. Giants completely sputtered out, and the Padres were kind of fantastic in their own disaster. But um, yeah, Baltimore is the surprise to me too, only because of the sustainability factor. I I knew they were going to have flashes where they they were going to look like this because of the young kids that were just clearly too good to sit at this point in time. I didn't think the pitching was there and they added Jack Flaherty at the deadline. They did a couple of non-impressive moves, you know, that just sort of felt like they were putty in the wall instead of re-drywalling it a little bit, you know, where they may have had cracks. And they held the fort. I mean, they completely held off Tampa Bay down the stretch in a couple of really important series. You know, the Yankees got better after the deadline. There's no question about it. Certainly with the return of Aaron Judge. But Baltimore kind of handed, the, handed them as well. So is, is it safe to say, Dan, starting with them, that they're the team to beat now? This isn't fluky, right? I don't think I don't think it's fluky. Um, I do yeah. have questions uh, around... I, I mean, they did 
get a lot out of their youth. Um, does that translate to the postseason? There's questions about that. Um, I do think they're one of uh, like, I, I think there's a couple clear powerhouse teams that we'll, we'll get to here. And then you can just throw the other, you know, it's kind of a pick them amongst the other teams, even the wild card teams, if you want to extend that. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I would pick, I think the Orioles are my favorite of that group of, um, you know, the second. And what year. about, what about looking into next year? Are they easily the odds favorite to win the AL East in 2024 right now? Oh, I think so. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's a little bit of projection in terms of what I think they're going to do this offseason. But I think they're going to have a really strong offseason. Um, we, we were sort of waiting for them to pull the trigger on a bigger deal. I, I don't want to say I think that is I, I mean, I don't want to. I don't they're want the to favorite Blake much. Snell. Just say it. They're gonna they're gonna sign Blake Snell, <laughs> right? And even if it's not a sign, even if it's not a, just a f- major free agent signing, they have a mm-hmm. surplus of really high end young talent. That at some point, I think they're gonna run out of spots to give those guys chances, and you have to consolidate. And that is go. I I think that they're the team that goes out this offseason and gets the player that we didn't even know was available on the market sort of deal. So that's a nice um, way to look at it. Yeah. You're probably right because they're attractive now too. This is a, a franchise that's long been revered, had a real bad couple of uh, decades sort of right. And it's really fun that they're back in the fold. They just extended their lease at Camden yards for 30 years. So it's a, it's a good time to be shopping around the Baltimore area in terms of this team. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm with you. I, you know, it, this wasn't an accident. I mean, they drafted well, they developed well, at least well enough from a positional standpoint. And here they are. They're fast. They're powerful. They're doing everything that the game's asking teams to do. But they absolutely need more pitching. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that they're the AL favorite. Would you put them there? I know you kind of danced around it, but there's some experience here. You know what I mean? Now, Minnesota. Minnesota has been one and done for what? Forever here, right? I mean, in terms of playoffs. So... I don't think anybody puts any stock in them. I have not looked at the odds yet. Have you looked? Do you have some knowledge of how this is breaking down now? It's um, okay if you didn't. I'd rather kind of not know right now. It's kind of fun just I, to guess this out front. I don't, but just kind of referencing your point before, I, I think the Astros, you just have to pick them as the favorite based that's on experience. That's my bad. Roster, I, 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 but, um, that's probably how Vegas thinks as well, right? Because of the experience, how they kind of finish down the stretch. They're the hot hand. I, my guess is that's where it's leading, but... Um, I, I don't know. Look, some of these wildcard teams, there's no question that they could make this happen, right? Tampa Bay's got a boatload of experience. Texas might be, you know, the best one through nine in all of baseball when they're playing right. And, and they certainly had a couple of up and downs down the stretch. But how about these wildcard teams, Dan? Tampa, Toronto, Texas, Miami, Philly, and Arizona. Arizona's in this Baltimore conversation, right? You, you were in love with them out front. You didn't think this was the year that they'd actually get to, you know, a divisional conversation. And they, you know, they were 16 games back from the Dodgers at the end of the day. So there wasn't a conversation about the division. But, you know, they they cleaned house in the middle of the year with Bumgarner and a couple of other, you know, option contracts that they DFA'd. You love to see that because that just screams confidence. It screams, we're not messing around anymore. We're not going to carry any legacy players around just because we, you know, we feel like we should. We've got way too many kids in the system that are, you know, not getting 26 man spots right now. You just felt like they were bursting from the seams. And at times you saw it. Corbin Carroll is already under already underpaid. <laughs> he just signed his deal a minute and a half ago. Um, we knew that was going to happen the second that contract was announced. But, uh, you know, that's a team like Baltimore who has not signed their players, by the way. Everybody's in pre-arb for, for the most part on that roster. Um, and Arizona has started that process. So, I think the wildcard teams are extremely sneaky, especially a team like Philly who had a late run last postseason. Uh, we're going to talk about some payrolls here in a second, but it's a, it's, it's more of a mixed bag that I can ever remember. I mean, everybody already knows because everybody's already tweeted it. The top three payrolls are, are obviously not here, right? Yankees, Padres, Mets, not here. Um, but there's a mix of top teners and bottom fivers. And, you know, it's not just Tampa Bay anymore, right? There's a, it seems like the model has sort of caught up with a, fr- a bunch of franchises and I'm going to ask you this because Houston was like the perfect storm back in 2017 and what it took four or five years to get there at least. Is the model still the draft? You know, we've talked about this a little bit, you know, at various times throughout seasons, but we're here 
and there are a significant team, right? Like Baltimore, Arizona, Houston, you know, Texas is paid, is paid to play for the most part here. Tampa Bay, you know, how are we seeing now four bottom five payrolls, essentially bottom 10 payrolls find their way into the postseason at one time? Is it, is it draft heavy? Is it, you just got to do everything and hope it works. What is the actual play? Because there's a lot of number one overall picks in this for in this postseason now too, right? I mean, it's not like it's not fluky. You know, these are legitimate top prospects getting here. And by the way, that's not always the case in baseball. You know, there's a lot of options. There's a lot of thirty rounder round picks that show up and become superstar Hall of Famers. But um, just what what's your sense of these low payroll, really young teams actually getting themselves to the postseason? I don't think it's specifically any one facet. Um, Mm -hmm. Not that you're saying that. I just think um, like the cohesion of drafting, uh, developing, scouting on other Mm -hmm. teams for the trade market, um, waivers, et cetera. Um, The international market, that's something the Orioles um, were previously never involved in until the Mike Elias um, regime came in and they've been heavily involved there. We haven't really seen the payoffs quite yet because those, you know, you're typically dealing with 16 to 18 year olds. Um, but the, you know, they have a, they have a really strong <clears throat> group in, already at the ML at MLB level. And, you know, they have another wave behind that. And some of those guys are international prospects. So I think it's just the combination of doing everything right. And the, the margin of error is so small for some of these um, like, like to let the cat out of the bag, these teams are not big market teams that are just spending, no. you know, real light. They're smaller market teams that are working around the fringes, um, you know, mm-hmm. and not swimming in the deep end and free agency or, or you know, the, even the trade market typically. Um, they're just really efficient in how they're run and they're uh, focused on, you know, the minutiae details of running the running a team, I think so. I think my I think my my answer would have been international as well, um, and it's interesting because there was in the, in that CBA negotiation there was a moment where the league pushed back and said, "All right, well, if you don't come and dance with us, we're going to make this a draft process." Do you think that if more of this starts to happen, and I I really do agree with you, especially with Tampa Bay and 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 a bunch of these you know smaller market teams that they are utilizing, they are acquiring and utilizing international bonus pool space to make themselves better immediately. Whereas in the draft, if you don't have a top 10 pick or, or you know, you don't lock, lock yourself into a college player who ends up working out, it's a crapshoot. You know, it's just how baseball draft is, has worked over the years. Do you think that at some point in time during this current CBA, the need for some more formal international signing uh, you know, process is going to come back into the fold because teams continue to abuse it? And I do think it's somewhat abusive. <laughs> it's really hard to say. I know there's a lot of debate Mm -hmm. on this um, because it's not even just like black and white, like teams acquire money and then they spend that money. Like these uh, like for listeners, these, these relationships that these organizations have with players that they inevitably signed are longstanding from, you know, when they're kind of gross, it's like 12 year olds. Exactly. So in a way they're like committed way even way before they're 16 mm. years old and the money is sort of just like just kind of like a curtain if you will um mm. when like the agreement is already long long standing so why i point that out is because teams who do not invest in international scouting international programs for these international players it doesn't necessarily matter okay. if they acquire a ton of, uh, you know, a ton of bonus pool money in my, I could be a little bit off. If experts are listening to this, feel free to correct me on that. But um, I'm pretty sure that's kind of the way things have been leaning here. And I just think it's weird. You can trade bonus pool money and not draft picks in 2023. I, I right, think the- that's weird. And by the way, I think that says everything about what we're talking about. The league, the league understands what the hell's going on here, right? I mean, they know how convoluted the draft actually is. They just want teams to make their picks and screw up half of them, more than half of them, quite honestly, and uh, you know, fill out a minor league system so they can make some more money down there. But it's, it's a weird structure, and, and it's great to see these small markets here. It really is. It's great to see uh, certain franchises getting back into the fold. You know, Miami completely out outkicked their coverage in terms of this National League East. There's no question about that. Um, it's also good to see a team like Texas spend $800 million in two off seasons 
put it all together with a Hall of Fame manager. You know what I mean? It, that still should be part of this game. You know, it, we shouldn't be all all in on Moneyball. We shouldn't be, even if the analytics are steering us in that direction in a lot of cases, right? You know, downplaying the starting pitching process, making the closer a revolving door like a running back. There's a lot to it. I get it. But teams should still be able to go out there and pump a bunch of money into superstar players, and it should work. It didn't work for the Mets, didn't work for the Padres, didn't work for the Yankees, but it did work for Texas over a couple-year pattern here. So uh, I'm happy that they're in. I'm ex- they're excited to watch. I mean, there's a lot of uh, uh, mixed players there. It's not just a bunch of, you know, home run bashers. There's a lot of five-tool players in that roster. So I just think this is a really diverse postseason for baseball. Um, you're right. I mean, the major market's one LA team, and, and I guess I'd call Philly a major market. You know, maybe Philly and Atlanta are kind of tied at the hip in that regard. Other than that, this is, you know, this is a poor man's postseason. So it's it's really cool to see this. Uh, Let's talk payrolls quickly. Uh, I'm going to work off of cash payrolls, not tax payrolls uh, for the number one reason being I don't have finalized tax numbers yet. I have our estimates. I mean, we kind of know where things are going to fall, but a lot of uh, minutiae kind of falls into the back end of this, as you know, Dan, and certain, you know, sweet payments and things like that all get backloaded. And uh, some of these teams jump up 15, $20 million at the end of the day. So working off of cash payrolls for 2023, kind of the last time we're going to talk about this because we're going to, I'm going to advance the site to 2024 really after I get off this pod with you. Um, again, Mets, Yankees, Padres out, but the Rangers are number four. This is the number four cash payroll team in all of, in all of baseball. They didn't win the division, but they're in. Same goes for Philly, number five. Wild card team, top five payroll cash-wise. Dodgers are six. Astros are seven. Blue Jays are nine. Braves are 10. So it's not like this is just a money ball situation, right? I mean, we've got five teams right off the bat in the in the top 10 of cash payrolls. But then we've got to slide pretty much all the way down for the rest of it, right? So it's Baltimore 28, Tampa Bay 27. Miami 22, Arizona 21, Milwaukee 19, and Minnesota kind of right in the middle at 16. So again, diverse, which is, I think, good for baseball. Uh, do we spend any time on these top three cash payrolls, Dan? Do you want to talk Mets, Yankees, Padres at all, or is that for another time? I think we can leave that. Um, we're going to have a ton of offseason analysis here, and we can yeah. we can – probably have a whole podcast just on those three teams and what they okay. need to kind of how, to, how they work. So, all right. Sustainability. I've just given you the list again, sustainability from these payrolls. Who's going to go all in and keep the gas pedal down. Is Texas going to keep this thing going? What if they exit first round here? Wild card round out. Do you think they have the wherewithal to continue to spend this off season? Um, I think, they would, I mean, I think they've done the heavy lifting on spending in the last two off seasons. I think um, they're going to be aggressive in a lot of ways, but I don't know if we're going to see any $300 million contracts or anything. Um, you know, mm-hmm. they, ju- they added part, part of the Scherzer trade was, you know, him <clears throat> picking up the player option. So he's committed. You still have the DeGrom money. You still have multiple big contracts yeah. as we all know about. So I have, a little bit of skepticism that they need to do anything major. Um, it, again, they don't really need to do anything major. I think they can just add around the fringes. They'll spend some money, make some aggressive moves, but I don't think they're going to go all uh, like, you know, be uh, in the deep end on free agency this year. There's a, there's a couple of kids ready to come up as well. Right. So it could be, exactly. it could be that kind of off season, right? It's about developing it's, it's Kumar rocker. And who am I missing the other picture? The kid, the the son of the the son of the former player. Oh, Jack Jack Leiter. They have there you a go. bunch. They have a number of position players, yeah. kind of sort of rounding out. So that's where we had talked about um, in the past. Texas, a multi. They were sort of a multi-year free agent rebuild. Where in year one, I kind of looked right. and said, uh, like I don't really like John Gray as a number one, etc." And what's really you know, Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager doing there. And then they follow it up in year two with the number of, uh, you know, additional signings. So I think they did the heavy lifting in the last two years. We're going to start to see some of their prospects. We are interested in come in um, to the organization. And I think they're just going to hope uh, that that keeps them sustainable. I do think it will too, but um, I do you know, too. Chris Young's a re- really aggressive uh, yeah. young GM here. So I think he's, They've spent the money over the next few years, so they kind of have to keep the pedal down. I just don't think that's going to be in the form of major contracts. 
Yeah, I agree. I think they they grow up a little instead of spend this offseason, and it's going to be just as fruitful for them at the end of the day. What about Philadelphia? Signed Trey Turner. It took him a while to get going. Uh, you know, Schwarber kind of had a Schwarber-type year. Harper missed a bunch of time recovering from that UCL, but then he, he, he rounded right back into form. I, I might like him more than ever right now in terms of a major league player as a full resume. A um, couple of notable free agents. You know, Reese Hoskins never hit the field this year with that ACL tear in spring training. And Aaron Nola, who had a real rocky, maybe his worst season to date in terms of consistency, is set to hit the open market. Aggressive? Feels like they, feels like they smell blood with the Mets. They know they probably can't compete with Atlanta on a real level right now. Are, are we going to see a Rangers type, you know, all in move from Dave Dombrowski in Philadelphia here? Because th- there's a world where I see that, where they are all in spending this offseason to really reinforce the roster. See, I think that if I, I think they're more in the camp of trying to add three like number three type pitchers that mm-hmm. like if Aaron Nola goes and it's just Zach Wheeler, I think you have a lot of question marks with Wheeler's on an expiring too, though. One more year. So it's not right. like this window is, you know, forever. But I mean, you've already spent in the, you already have, what is it for? They have four contracts over $20 million and they're starting nine. So yeah. um, I don't know what more, I mean, they certainly could add more, but I, I, they have they're sort of at the tail end of a window here besides the Turner and Harper contracts. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what I, I just can't see them adding more, you know, to the Nick Cassiano deal. I know I, I'm on the side that they add pitching if they're going to spend money, but I don't really think um, they'll be. Is this the a team you believe like in? Ace, if you will. I feel like I remember before the year you were really down on this roster in terms of any kind of comeback, you know, and back to back and repeat and things like that. And they're here. They're basically exactly the same team they were last year. Right. Um, Do you do you do you still feel that way that they're kind of here on false terms or do you believe that this team could actually make a little run here? They've proven me wrong because I was a bit down on them more so from the perspective that. I doubted that we'd see Bryce Harper come back as soon as he did and that he would be effective. Um, That was sort of like a bad parlay, if you will, in my opinion, like coming back from Tommy John surgery, plus expecting him to be the Bryce Harper we had seen in, um, you know, in the past. So I just didn't, I thought that was an underrated talking point the past off season. And I thought beyond Aaron Nola, Zach Weaver, they were very thin Mm -hmm. Um, in the starting rotation, which I don't know, is that any different? So I, I think they, I don't know what, I, I don't know what to say on the Phillies because I'm still a little bit puzzled. I think they just sort of got hot at the right time again, sort of like last year. Am I wrong to say that? Or I, I don't know where I land with them, I guess. No, I, I think that's exactly right. I think it, it, you know, none of us were even thinking about them in August of 2022. Right. And then an hour and a half later, they were in the World Series. So I do think that it feels a little bit like that. Now, I think at the deadline, because of last year, we started to look at them and say, all right, they're they're starting to turn some things around here. Trey Turner was absolutely lights out for two months, two and a half months. I mean, absolutely, you know, the power, the everything. So there were signs that this was coming. I'm not counting them out. Let me put it that way. And by the way, I think they kind of love being a wild card team. And to go back to my point about this coming off season, they might do just enough just to stay right here. Why would they spend $200 million this off season to try to compete with the Braves when it's probably not fruitful, right? I don't think there's a single team in the national league that looks at the Braves and says, we have the manpower or the financial backing and, or the scouting ability right now, this winter to compete with that roster. There's just, there's not many horses in the barn to do that. Right? So if everybody's playing for wild card for the most part in the national league, you know, assuming that Otani goes to the Dodgers and sort of locks in that whole situation, not even worth talking about, really. I, I think Philly's perfectly fine being this kind of team where they can kind of cruise for three months, make a couple of smaller moves at the deadline. Maybe a couple of guys got to get healthy in August, which is just baseball. It's a marathon. And here we are two years in a row. Like I said, like a carbon copy with minimal changes this past offseason outside of Trey Turner, who cer- certainly carried them down the stretch. So I don't know. I don't know that they have to do much more. I think if this is who they can be, if this is sort of how the blueprint is drawn up in the front office, it's worked twice in a row. So I'm not sure I would change it. And I'm not counting them out in the postseason. 
to the, to this point, do you think Atlanta peaked too early? I, I just feel like every time we get to this point of the season and there's a team that it was this dominant, there's going to be a point in the next week or two where they absolutely fizzle out. Happens to the Yankees, happened to the Mets last year. It's happened to this Braves team. It's happened to the Astros. It's happened to the Dodgers. The favorite almost never gets to the World Series. It's just it's just one of the best things to bet. Bet a wild card team, bet an off, bet one of the, you know, the middling division winners, but don't take the big horse. Atlanta is that big horse. Do you feel that way? Do you feel that there is a a a, a loss coming, a series loss coming to them somewhere in the next couple of weeks? Or do you think they are this good? that they are just going to cruise into the World Series in the National League side? Well, I'm not going to put myself in a box on it, but I mean, any I, I totally agree that any of these teams have a realistic chance. I think I think that I think the Braves and the Astros are clear favorites for a variety of different reasons and, you know, in their respective um, leagues. But any team specifically if the Braves had a, a little bit better of a starting rotation, I think I'd feel more comfortable. I think there's a ton of question marks there, but the offense is historically good and they have a, yeah. and they have a very solid bullpen, which are kind of, you know, foundational starting blocks I'm looking at when I'm, you know, trying to predict yeah. a playoff team here. So, um, <laughs> I, I think the Phillies definitely can make a run. Any of these teams can make a run. I think the Braves are definitely the favorite, but any we've seen this, like you pointed out, any offense can go cold over a short amount of time. It could happen. I'm not, like I just said, I'm not in love with their pitching. So I think there's holes to be attacked there, but I mean that, that lineup one through nine and the depth that they can insert, you know, defensively, on the base paths, et cetera, I think it's going to be really, really hard to get around them. So I'm sort of hedging by saying I'm not committing to them being the favorite, but I'm very, I feel very chalky about this, this postseason, mm. but I'm willing to admit that, I mean, any of these teams can sneak in. And if we're talking about who those sneaky teams are, I would put the Phillies in that group. I Me think I put the Brewers as the other one in that group. Um, we'll get to them next, actually. I think they're fun. Um, Here's the reason I would still continue to bet Atlanta and go against everything I just said, which I do think th there's data behind it. I mean, generally, the favorite in, in each of the leagues does not make it to the finish line in this sport. It's just sort of how, how it works. And especially now with expanded postseason, there's plenty more options for that to, not, to happen. Atlanta's built for the postseason. You kind of you head on it there. The game got faster with these new rules. There's no question about it. They were already fast. They were already the fastest team in the league. And, you know, that's why... It's not, it's not really that eye-popping that Ronald Kino Jr. has 71 stolen bases. He was already going to have 50, you know, and then the game got easier for him to steal, and now he's got 70. So that lineup, one through eight, is built for small ball, home run ball, steal bases, doubles that become triples because of their speed and their, and their, and their sort of little league style of play, right? I've seen way too much of them, being a Mets fan my whole life. This team is built for right now. Anything they've done in the, in the regular season to me is just having they're they're just having fun and by the way it looked like that it looked like they were going through the motions it was a little LeBron James type regular season for this team there were certain things that got them riled up right a hit by pitch or something said in the media or Acuna hitting a milestone but for the most part they were on freaking cruise control to 104 wins and as long as they're coached properly here and and, and you know some of the egos in that room come together at the right time they shouldn't lose because their style of play is built for October and by the way, it's probably the most fun product we can put on the, on the, on the television screen as well right now. So baseball's probably rooting for this. Uh, there's a hell of a lot of storylines. The National League's on TBS, which used to be the Braves' old network, right, back in the day. There's just a lot to the Braves, a lot of clout behind having the Braves be good right now. And as much as I have to hate them because of the team I root for, they're probably the team I want to see in the finish line here. Versus, outside, you know, instead of the Dodgers, instead of these other, other teams, I think this would be the best team for baseball to win the National League pennant. You mentioned the Brewers. The Mets just acquired their former president, David Stearns. There's a lot of changes coming to the Mets because of it. I think there's a lot of changes coming to Milwaukee because of it as well. There could be a coaching change, even though they just won the division and have a legitimate chance to win this pennant. There's a couple of pitchers heading, heading into the final year of arbitration and Brandon Woodford, from Cor Corbin Burns, Devin Williams, the closer is heading in that direction. Willie Adamas, the shortstop is heading in that direction. 
uh, the offseason work I've done on this roster tells me if it's not this year, there's maybe one more year of legitimate contention for this team, and then it's going all the way back down to the basement, unless you can tell me otherwise. Is that the correct read on this roster, Dan? Yes, but the basement point, I think, is more of just like a rebuild on the fly. They do have some really promising young players that they probably want to give some prominent playing time here in the next couple of years. But I do agree with you that like the window on this group of players is closing. Um, I do think the Brewers are somewhat positioned well, though, to um, turn it around pretty quickly. I I mean, I'm not saying very quickly, but I think. It, they could be looking at like a short, short rebuild after this, this way. Okay. But yeah, I agree. This is the end. Um, the beginning of the end, if you will. Beginning of the end. Yeah. Close enough. Um, Dodgers did it again. hundred wins, you know, over 200 run differential, just everything you expected from them. Like I said, with a bumpy Rocky season, what's your faith in this roster? Two MVP candidates, you know, in, in Freeman and Betts, no surprise there. The pitching was weird and remains weird. And it's going to be weird again next year even if they get Otani, who can't pitch. Um, I don't know. Are, are you confident? Do you feel good? There's no way we feel as good as usual with this Dodgers team, but where are you with this Dodgers team right now? Yeah, they're just in the group of toss-up to me. Um, but again, mm. like I sort of placed the Orioles at the top of that second tier in the AL. I'm going to put the Dodgers in that um top group. A lot of that is just based on playoff experience, coaching, et cetera, things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, the lineup is the lineup. I mean, you have two, like the Braves, you have two NL MVP candidates. The pitching has been kind of a cluster this year with some injuries and other things. Um, but I don't know. I still have a, like, we didn't think they would win a hundred games this year and they put, they, they put it together. So I, I don't ever want to count them out. I do not think they're the, the favorites. I think they're a sizable tier down um, from the Braves. But, yeah, I'm just going to kind of fall back on on the postseason experience here. <laughs> so payrolls with the Dodgers. They're sixth right now. Cash payroll, right? Which sounds like, you know, that's probably where they belong. The Mets went crazy. The Rangers went crazy. The Padres went crazy. And the Yankees kind of did what the Yankees do. Last 10 years. 2014 through 2023. Ready for the Dodgers payrolls? First, 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 third, first, fourth, first, 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 and now sixth. Now six seems like an eternity, right? Now six seems like a legitimate dial it back we have to we have to we have to kind of recoup some things here and start ourselves over and by the way it includes a buyout for bauer that they weren't expecting to pay but they ended up having to pay it because they kind of lost that legal battle a little bit here so it could have been lower it could have been 20 to 25 million dollars lower than where it ended up this is purposeful and i know a lot of smart people have already said this i want to get this back on the record this is not an accident okay they don't do sixth Clearly, it's been a decade, and I, I could probably keep going back. I just did 10 years here quickly on the fly. They don't do sixth. They did it. They probably wanted to be closer to eighth, but this is purposeful. So if we think this team sort of stumbled, stumbled into first place and 100 wins right now, they're not going to do this next year, okay? And the Otani injury probably put a little bit of a dagger in that whole process, and they may have to sign or promote somebody else to kind of cover for that. They will. You, you, you're, you've worked on this farm system for a lot of years now. They're ready. They brought a couple of kids up this year. I think you probably weren't expecting to see, but they're here. They're contributing. They're going to be better for it next year. They're going to be really active, right? I mean, this is going to be not so much like a Rangers thing, right? Because they've already got, you know, um, an unbelievable talent up and down this lineup. But I expect multiple major names that to be to add to this roster because this was their backup year this was their savings year which for a lot of teams is insane because they're again this is six we're talking about 200 million dollars still but this was the year they said we're going to take it easy a little bit and they won the division by 16 and a half games won 100 games and their run differential was over 200 I, i don't know what you say about that so if you think that the dodgers are stumbling right now 
I don't even know what to say because they barely tried, right? They barely put any financial effort into the season and they still got exactly where we all thought they were going to get. So uh, any thoughts there? I mean, do you agree with where this is headed? Does the Otani injury change things at all for you? I mean, we're going to talk much, much more about that, but I don't think I'm incorrect in just directly lining the Dodgers and Otani here because, by the way, that's probably the big reason for why they're sixth right now. Yeah. So the Dodgers went, you know, there was some steam around this in the offseason, but the Dodgers went on the record saying that they were not trying to clear, reset their CBT um, threshold window. I am still very skeptical. What are we talking that, about here? It's like right, saying that I think, A's are trying to win ball games. All right. Well, you yeah. can say it on the record, but we're not going to believe you. Well, exactly. So I, I, I think the the smoking gun was the Trevor Bauer situation. They did not know how by opening day, they did not know how that was going to play out. They found out after they were at that, at that point, it was basically too late. They're over the CBT um, threshold. So regardless, the money didn't really matter to them. I still, I still think they were trying to get under that. And that's not even to say they were trying to be cheap to clean, to get under that. They just saw, we talked about this at the beginning of the year the, yeah. of the season, but they saw an opportunity to sort of reset and lean on some of their younger players rather than chase it in free agency, which we saw other players do or other teams like the Yankees do. You can throw the Mets in there. I still think that that was like a worthwhile chase, mm-hmm. but um, some of these other teams that just started throwing money at free age, the angels, for instance, mm-hmm. teams like that, that we saw really chasing after the end of their window. And I saw, I think the Dodgers did not do that. They could have thrown some money at Justin Turner to keep him in the fold. Some other players that walked out, um, but, Mm -hmm. but they didn't do it that way. And I think that was sort of in conjunction with trying to get under the, 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 the tax threshold. It didn't end up working. It does. The money is all meat. It's funny money to them. So it doesn't really matter, but there was a chance for them to do it going forward. I totally agree with you. They're going to spend in some way and or be aggressive here. Um, you know, I don't think they're going to roll into next year with like a combination of um, mm-hmm. Miguel Rojas and, and you know, Ahmed Rosario playing shortstop. I, I, the Gavin Lux injury was was pretty crucial, things like that. I, I'm sort of taking a cheap shot at them there for that, but it, which is unfair. <laughs> but um, you know what I'm trying to get at here. They yeah. did not like go you, – like you laid it out earlier. They did not put a lot of effort – <clears throat> into um you know mm-hmm. chasing after something that wasn't there so I 15th in free agency i just looked it up middle of the league yeah. so they did just enough to kind of you know reset their roster a little bit with the holes they had but absolutely nothing splashy they they 53.3 million total spent in free agency last year which is about 200 million less than they usually spend let's be honest um so this was this was planned they still got the the result they were looking for they're still the you know easily the winner of this division um I wouldn't call them a sleeping giant though, you know, to get back to sort of this postseason. I just don't think they're there, even though they have obviously, you know, legitimate MVP candidates on this roster. It does seem like at some point in time, what they've put together and, and the losses that they've incurred. And there are some, you know, there, you know, there's some handed losses on this roster right now are going to catch up with them this time of year. I could be wrong. That's, you know, everything gets weird in October, but it does seem like now they're going to have to start paying for their lack of pain, to put it that way. Um, but they're going to be a team to watch this offseason. There's no question about that. They're going to be fun. A uh, couple of pitching holes to, to fill up. And like you said, maybe a third base and an outfield position, um, hole to fill in as well, which I, I don't think they'll be nickel and diming this time around. Let's put it that way. Um, anybody else? We talked to Arizona a little bit. Is that a team? Yeah, let's talk about them real quickly in this regard, Dan. Uh, we got, we've, I feel like we've done three straight off seasons that focused on Arizona and rightfully so, because we knew these kids were coming. They still have an, an outfield surplus, in my opinion. They moved on from Varsha this past year, which ended up being a pretty savvy move. Um, do they have a legitimate chance this off season to, to bring in two to three, you know, bats slash arms and actually compete in this national league? Are they that kind of a roster? Or are they going to continue to be this Philadelphia Phillies type team that they're just going to have to grind it out for 162 
hope that they're in the back end somewhere and then try to do some damage in the postseason. How do you see this roster going forward here? To be honest, I don't have a lot of holes to fill in terms right. of like, like, let me, let me restart there. I don't see a lot of holes in the lineup where I think they clearly need to upgrade in 2024. Um, the major question mark, in my opinion, is how do they replace um, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who play, who served um, as a corner outfielder and DH for most of the season. And I think he hit fifth most of the year uh, right in the middle of the order, and he had a really good year. So he's he kind of the, the premier, if you will, guy leaving that team that they need to fill around. Um, we saw Nick Ahmed get DFA'd. Jordan Lawler is probably going to get the, the lion's share of the playing time there next year. Um, I think Geraldo Perdomo, they might do a little platoon there, but – same thing at third. We saw them bring in Jace Peterson. He's got another five. I think he has a, a around five million, five and a half million for next year. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're just going to platoon there probably with a couple internal options. Um, so really, when you start looking at it, Corbin Carroll in the outfield, um, you have a number of guys uh, like I think Alec Thomas gets a, a, a longer look next year. He's just so good defensively that, you know, he's that he's moved Corman Carroll out of center field. So I, I think just to lay it out, like there's, if we're playing musical chairs, there's really not a lot of chairs left in the room. So I, I think they make like a middling addition to fill that Lourdes Gurriel jr. But I think the focus of their off season will come via pitching on um, both mm-hmm. starters and relievers. Like their bullpen was a major, uh, a major soft spot for them uh, down the stretch. And but they bought I think a closer at the deadline. Right. They bought they bought right. Paul Seawald, who's under under control one more year through 2024. So that wasn't a nothing move. Right. They can at least come into spring training saying, I've got we've got our guy at the back end. And Zach Ellen finally grew up to be an, an ace. Right. And they're going to have to pay for it. But he's finally there. So it's it's a hell of a lot easier to fill in two, three, four in the rotation than it is one and the closer. Let's put it that way. Right. I mean, I feel like they did. They did figure out the pieces of the, the bigger pieces of the puzzle in the past 18 months. And like you said, replacing Gurriel and maybe the third the third man in the rotation, that's that's what every team tries to do in the offseason, right? I mean, let's let's go find 30 home runs and a third starter. I mean, that's that's every team every winter. So as long as they play their cards right, I feel like they're gonna be right back here. And why wouldn't they be? Yeah, sorry. My long-winded response was a way to just say I think they're in marinate mode, that they just want to see yeah. what they have with these guys. And I, I was mostly trying to figure out a hole that they have and really I mean it's just going to be middle middle rotation and bullpen is the focus and one one premier bat in my opinion Mm. or not premier one bat middle of the order corner outfield the type guy Blue Jays last team I guess we should talk Miami too a little bit but Blue Jays thoughts on how their season went (laughs) super disappointing I mean they were one of my favorites coming in um they didn't even have that bad of injury luck or any, like nothing major went astray in my opinion. They just sort of um, the, the, the players that I thought could have uh, closer to offensive ceiling type seasons did not really land there. They still had an okay year, but disappointing in terms of um, the strength of that team, in my opinion, you know, the, the starting nine plus the rotation plus the bullpen. I thought uh, I really liked what they had done this previous off season, it didn't really come to fruition though. So they didn't hear enough home runs, Dan. Yeah. That, that was a fair uh, assessment. Yeah. There's some, there's 16th what, in the league and with that of, lineup and with the, the start that Chapman had and, and Vlad jr's expectations, there, there were not enough home runs in this roster to compete in this league. Yeah. There's some questions coming into the year. It was thought that new, that, that ballpark, there were a lot of adjustments in the off season to that ballpark projection systems thought that it would be way considerably more hitter friendly some of the goofy dimensions there the walls kind of come in and out and up and down it's the numbers suggest that it's probably gonna land more pitcher friendly than they than they expected but obviously Mm -hmm. we need more years of data to kind of uh you know be be really sure of that but all I'm trying, all I'm trying to say here is like their team does sort of play to power, but if they're now in more of a pitcher park, then I mean, the, the previously the Rogers Center was one of the best hitters parks in 
in all of baseball, especially with the roof closed. Um, So I don't know. I mean, I don't know if this is going to be something that trickles into next year is what I'm trying to say, or is if this is just sort of a power um, anomaly from, you know, from the players. They go, they go one and out. They get nixed out of the wild card round. What is the reaction in that front office this winter? If you're playing GM here. I don't think they should overreact, but that's me. Um, yeah. But I also am not running the organization and have way more. Yeah, but I'm asking you to do it. I'm asking you <laughs> yeah, to right. convert saying, your dollars to loonies and let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't see why they need to freak out. I mean, they could certainly look in the mirror and find changes to make. But um, any chance Matt Chapman returns? I think he's. Uh, I, I say no, just because I, I'm. I've burned myself so many times thinking reunion, free agent reunions can happen. Um, when you really take a stone cold look at the third base free agent market coming up, it is disgusting. Um, and I know the. I know Matt Chapman did not really fill. Um, did not really fill out the stat line like I thought he would. Despite biggest like, A to Z of the year. I mean, he was was an MVP lock in June, and then he just fell off the freaking mountain. What the heck happened? And I took the bait because it looked like a total profile change in terms of he was driving the ball to the other field line drives. He wasn't just like a 30 home run, um, three true outcomes kind of guy. And he's got a, he's a premium defender. So I think the, the still despite a pretty down year from him, I think the number is going to be there because so a, a contending team is going to look at him and say, we, we yeah. want that player. Maybe it's the Dodgers. Maybe the yeah, Dodgers. Just say, gonna well, say. Yeah. Maybe He's going to go hit Dodgers. 36 for the Dodgers behind Freeman and Betts next year and be just fine. Yeah. Yeah. And you move Miguel Vargas over to second or something. I mean, there's options there, but re- regardless, um, I don't think the I don't think the blue Jays need to freak out. Um, okay. But it is a big market in a division that kind of looks, you know, we just, talked about the Orioles for a little bit but beyond that I mean it it's a division that's up for grabs in my opinion so we'll get there we're going to do divisional breakdowns pretty much the next couple of weeks here as we kind of uh launch some pieces on spotlight.com and speak to them a little bit individually um the Marlins despite Cy Young winner Sandy Alcantara's complete you know injury slash I don't know inconsistency demise sneak into the wild card they can hit they're fast they're annoying. They've always made the Mets life hell. They made a lot of teams life hell down the stretch here. Do you give them any kind of chance? Would you put, if I handed you a $20 bill, would you spend any of it on the Marlins for this postseason? Not, not personally. No, not okay. personally. No. And I, I, th- back to my earlier point, I lean, you know, me, I lean very contrary and I'm always trying to find the, I'm always trying to scroll down and, and find, yeah, find some value, you know, the right. long shot odds that I like, but I just, I think the Astros and the Braves are clear favorites. And then literally the rest of the, just throw them in a bucket. Any of those teams can win based on circumstances over the next couple of weeks here and threat, they can thread the needle. So I'm just not, I I'm not super confident in anyone. I would put the Marlins way down that list. I just have some concerns, but um, they, got there. 20, they got there. So. They were 26 in the league and run scored. Not great, Bob. I mean, that's yeah. not, you know, I mean, they won some two, one games is what we're talking about here. Some one, nothing games. Um, they do have a bullpen, which is good this time of year. They can run, which is good this time of year. You know what? They aren't great at playing defense. Um, and I, I absolutely have seen that in person. So I, I don't give them a chance because of that. I think they make stupid mistakes and falter out of this thing pretty quickly, um, which is generally how we see, you know, teams like Minnesota tend to operate here. Uh, did we talk Minnesota? We didn't, right? Quickly, Minnesota, beat up on your Cleveland team a little bit. Again, it's like four straight years. They've been one and done in the postseason. They, they got pitchers. I mean, they're going to have good starting pitching here. They're going to have a decent, you know, set up bullpen system. And they've got some kids that that when they're healthy, they're they're really good. They're really talented. Are they possibly this year's Phillies? Is there a world where that happens? Where we're not thinking about them enough and they actually do some damage this time? 
Potentially, sure. Yeah, they. Yeah, you've are, seen a lot of them, probably, right? I mean, they're they're consistent. Yeah, and they've the some of their younger players are a little more dynamic than we've seen in years past, where it's kind of just been all or nothing power, um, plus leaning on some inconsistent pitching, and that hasn't worked out in you know the three game wild card series for them in the past. So. Um, I think they're a little bit more dynamic this year with a better pitching staff, good bullpen. So yeah, there's a total chance that they um, could be sort of the the darlings mm-hmm. this off season. So, okay, I'm going to put you on the spot here because we're here. It's uh, end of the regular season. The National League MVP is. Oh Jesus. Um, I mean, I have to say Acuna, but okay. it, I th- I think. Not to extend the point, I know this is neat. You wanted a one-word answer. I think it's a very underrated point that in back-to-back seasons, maybe even three seasons in a row, we've had this like what is thought to be historic race in the end in 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 MVP voting. Like the I think I lean on that, knowing how much how good Mookie Betts has been, and he's and he's done that while playing three. He's played second and shortstop quite a bit there for the Dodgers. He has filled this insane role. If you're talking about really just bona fide MVP, yeah. most valuable player, he deserves votes. Team, I think yeah. I th- like yeah, I think he does. So, but I'm gonna say Acuna just based on man, the the stat line is hard to get over, right? It is. It's it's filling up all the boards that the that the league loves to see right now. Um, American League, it's Otani. Yes, yes, but R.I.P. My Corey Seager MVP. Um, that's that almost got there. He had a chance to. I think he had a chance to get back in the conversation yesterday. He he was up with two outs in the top of the ninth with a run around down down one. He had a chance to swing, take one swing. And win the uh, Rangers the division yesterday, and then you would have had to start thinking about it again. You would have had to. It, it, yeah, he would have inched even closer. I don't think he would have got there, but he would have inched even closer. So right, and if the Otani stuff falls apart two weeks earlier, or do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like as soon as that deadline happens, or as soon as they got rid of mm-hmm. Giolito, you know, a couple weeks earlier, I think it, it could have flipped there. But that was the thesis of the play. I didn't want Otani to get hurt if he does, or if something else happens, um, gets traded, etc. What, what happened? Who who else could fill in? I really liked Corey Seager. It looks like he's going to come up short, finishing second there. So, but all right. So fun. there's one award winner on a non postseason team. Let's get to more because there's more. The National League Cy Young winner is going to be. I think it's unanimous, Blake Snell. I think it's actually unanimous. I mean, Kodai Senga is going to get votes, but we're talking about. Three to four players here, Dan, in on this list who are not in the postseason. It's just such a weird stat. It's it's it, yeah. this happens every year. But I think Blake Snell absolutely runs away with it. I think he had two and a half straight months of sub two ERA and plenty of consistency and efficiency to go around it. So it's his. He's an expiring contract, which is super freaking, you know, fun. We always see that. So Otani and now Snell, two award winners heading to the open market. And in the American League, I actually think this might be unanimous as well. Garrett Cole's numbers are insane down the stretch mm-hmm. here for a really weird, bad team. Uh, I think he went two hit and sh- complete game shutout in his last start to put the uh, absolute stamp on this thing. He's got an opt out after 2024. So he's walking into what we both think is going to be an expiring contract here, right? Unless he's already had talks with that front office to, to rip it up and start over at some point. But I don't think that's the case, knowing what the Yankees look like right now. So. There's three of these four award winners that have serious contract slash slash team question marks. No question about it. Um, let's get to some more positivity and finish this thing up. The AL Rookie of the Year is going to be. What do you think? Uh, I think the odds say Gunner. Does Ad, does Adley sort of take it away from Gunner? No, he well Adley was last last year. Oh, yeah. Um no, yeah, it's probably Gunnar Henderson. I don't see why how you're gonna get around that. Okay. And in the National League, is it Carroll's by a thousand? Yeah, yeah pretty easily. Yeah. I, I okay. think he separated here in the second half. There were some guys lingering. You could have made points mm-hmm. for a number, a couple other guys, but yeah, just a really incredible full 
first season for him. Arizona and Baltimore, man. It's um that could be where we're headed here. Is is the league ready for this? <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're going to be done talking about them anytime soon, so I think I no. think uh they're around to stay for a bit. All yeah, right, I'll finish where we started because under- I think now that we've talked it out a little bit, we can uh, maybe have a little bit more education around it. Any any of these teams really surprise you now that we've kind of digested all of this? No, and I think that's an underrated point I missed too. earlier is that I it's think a long season to have it kind of go chalk like this. Well, when we say chalk, I want to just point out that I think well, we have been hinting towards some pretenders for a little while here. And I think this is the year that we really saw those teams fall off. And and, and I don't I mean the Yankees have had a historic run of of success here, right? All I'm saying is that these like really thin, frail rosters in terms of like depth, if you will, yes. or starting rotation, if you will. I think this is the year we saw the bottom fall out from those teams and these deeper um, teams and or mm-hmm. better, more tightly run organizations kind of rise to the top, if you will. And I think my hot take is if we fast forward to October 2nd, 2024, I think the the standings look very similar to the way mm. they wrapped up this year. And I'm not, I mean, that's, I'm not going to say line for line here, but like, I, I think the teams at the top of the division and the teams at the deb- bottoms of the division are sort of set up to, to kind of stay that way, at least for I one. I like this. I like this. This is a great place to finish because I've done so, a ton of this off season work with you now. And, and I, I kind of have a handle on where these teams are headed in the winter. Which team, like, let's put, let's put it this way. Which team do you think absolutely falls out of this conversation next October? Do you have one? I have one. Well, Miami's probably in this conversation, right? Um, so like a playoff team that is like... Not going to be Mar- back in the playoffs next year. Well, yeah, the Marlins are a cheap shot, so we'll kind of go a layer. No, you can take the Marlins, and then I'll take my team. Here's my team. Tampa Bay. I believe, knowing what I know about how they how they do business and having seen their list of arbitration and my projections for their arbitration, I believe they are going to make a hell of a lot of decisions that are going to make the league go, what? Right? Remember when they traded Blake Snell and we all thought it was because he got all pissed off at the coach and didn't, and he wanted to pitch more innings. And then we all just realized it's because his arbitration salary was $11 million and they didn't want to pay more than 10. Right. And, and, and he was super inconsistent despite a sky high yeah. ceiling. I mean, yeah, he was, now he's he a was back all or nothing. Bat, right? so, exactly. They, they do this. They do. They consistently do this and they're going to stick to their guns. And I think by sticking to that process right now, they're going to get weaker this off season. Whereas the past five years in doing this, they've always had the depth to kind of continue to go and go and go. This is the off season, in my opinion, where they have to trim more fat than they can take. And they're not going to be this team next year. They're going to be fine, but they're not going to be 90 wins. And I think the Yankees are good. The Yankees won 82 games. All right. It's not like they won 60. They won 82 games and Aaron judge missed what 35 of them and still hit almost 40 freaking home runs. <coughs> Excuse me. If he's healthy, and Garrett Cole is still this player, which I expect him to be. And they make a couple of halfway decent acquisitions this offseason. And they've already had some injuries, unfortunately. They're going to set, set them back in April. But I think they can easily leapfrog Tampa Bay in this wildcard conversation. I think Boston's sliding backwards more. And I expect Toronto to be better. Right? So there's two teams that I think could easily take one of those ALEs teams out. There's just no way we're getting four teams again, right? Three teams again. It's just not going to happen to me. That's completely um, something you don't bet on. So that's my team. So you're taking Miami the softball. I'm taking Tampa Bay because I think they're going to have an absolute gut-wrenching offseason because they simply just don't want to pay for it. So I, we'll see. I mean, you know, I hope they prove me wrong. And, you know, maybe they prove me all the way wrong and, and go and sign Otani, which they're on the short list here. But I, I do think that they're in a situation where many of these good players, like in a Rose around them and, and, and some of those guys, are just... Uh, ahead of where they want to be financially speaking. So we'll see. Yeah. yeah. The Wander Franco and that's a situation mess. can entirely change the trajectory. I mean, it's not their fault. I'm just saying mm-hmm. a, a cornerstone piece. I mean, they have young players to backfill there, but again, I, I agree with you. They're going to look in the mirror and say, 
we mm -hmm. can we have an opportunity to reset a timeline um you know in and bring up some youth and maybe that means uh a rosarena gets traded or flipped yeah. and, and some of these other guys as well I'd so expect, i like that yeah i'd expect yeah, some I, names to move on and they'll get back some nice pieces and they'll develop them and do what they do but i think in the interim it's a, it's a bit of a step back in 2024 all right man um, we will be back soon. We're going to launch our reports here soon for the offseason, top free agents, option decisions, some non-tender stuff, some projected 2024 tax payrolls, all that fun stuff. It's pretty nerdy right now in terms of our major league baseball work, but um, we'll be back soon on here. And like I said, I think we'll go division by division and really get uh, you know deep and heavy with some of these moves and some players that could be trade candidates and extension candidates and all that fun stuff. So appreciate your time. Thanks, Mike.